about judge only your own heart and not another's. This is Kathleen Dillahunt. This is Let's Chat. I'm going to open in prayer. And on this beautiful Wednesday morning, I just want to tell you that Jesus loves you incredibly. Jesus loves you incredibly. Father, I want to thank you for every single person that's watching today. I want to thank you that where this message gets posted far and wide, that Holy Spirit, you will be the convictor. You will be the one that ministers, that teaches, that shows us the way, that leads us into repentance. It's your kindness that leads us into repentance, O oh Lord. And I want to thank you just for your incredible grace and for your passion on this message today, for your anointing and for your love. I want to thank you for for um, the, the angels that are controlling the airwaves and making sure that there's no interruptions. And I want to thank you. I commit my voice to you today that it will be a vessel of bringing glory and honor to you. In the mighty, beautiful, incredible name of my King and Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, friends. Well, I'm going to be talking to you today about something that has been on my heart since the day that I stepped into ministry, which was in 1986. I was in ministry Actually, we started off by running and being part of a school, working in a school, a Christian school, being part of a team that ministered into and taught and equipped and trained the school. And I met a lady that would never, ever, in any way whatsoever, come, become part or be involved with gossip. And this woman intrigued me. And I thought, what is it about her that she just will not be enticed? into gossiping into judging she just would stay silent or she would leave the room and quite honestly she intimidated me well i want to tell you that woman became one of the most powerful examples in my life and i will always love and honor her for that and i've often said to her her name is, is dawn and i've often said to her you were an incredible example to me as a young ministry person in ministry being walking in to be trained and equipped for this incredible privilege gift that god has given us and that is to look after the body of christ now friends i've tried to start living in the shadow of her incredible conviction because her conviction is the conviction of our lord jesus christ and i've tried to live in that place more and more and more every day of my life now i want to say this to you today what grieves my heart incredibly, incredibly, is the amount of division, the amount of hatred, the amount of brokenness, the amount of judgment and gossip that is in the church, and the fact that the body of Christ is not able to link arms because of envy, jealousy, pride, because of building their own kingdoms, and because everybody believes that they are the most important. When friends, none of us are important. There's not a single person on this earth that is important. What makes us important is the fact that the almighty, all-powerful, all-glorious God chose you, but he chose me as well. And friends, every one of us have got a purpose and a plan and a calling and a destiny and things to achieve, and they don't all look the same. We are not called to be cookie-cutted into one little box. 
We are called to serve in the garden of the almighty King Jesus as his bride, getting ready for the bridegroom, enjoying the privilege and the fragrance and the beauty of holiness. And so friends, today I want to talk about that a little bit more. You know, I've gone to visit so many churches over the last four decades. I've been part of so many churches. I've run churches. And the one thing that has shattered and broken down a church every single time is when offended Christians gather a group of other Christians and they cause a secondhand offense and then they judge they break down the church, they split the church, they devalue those that are standing for holiness, truth and righteousness because together they are stroking each other's sin. Now friends, this is disastrous. It is the enemy's trick to destroy the body of Christ. I've seen it happening over and over and over again. And I want to say to you, we've all got a responsibility We've got a responsibility to live righteous lives and to stop and help those that don't know how to live righteous lives to move into your righteousness and not to suck you into their depraved sin. Churches are split every time by Christians that refuse to deal with their sin issues, that refuse to take responsibility for their sin, and then they blame those that have tried to hold them accountable. And because we are a whole lot of sheep and we don't listen to the voice of the father, but to the voice of the offended, we follow them and we feel self-righteous. Friends, this is a terrible, terrible thing. It's destroying the body of Christ. You know that in the world, there's far less judgment than in the church. And so I'm talking to you today as somebody that has pastored three churches, that has been part of planting out at least 22 churches, that has ministered in many, many churches, that has been part of churches all my life, but especially since I got born again. And I want to say to you, body of Christ, we really, really, really are not a good example to the world out there. We have got to come into a new level of righteousness, peace and joy and understanding what holiness is all about. So I'm going to be talking about that today. Do not in any way judge any other heart, but only judge your own. Okay, so the most destructive, divisive force in the body of Christ is gossiping and judging. We've got a Christianese word for it. And it sounds so beautiful. It's called sharing. Now friends, I want to tell you, if you're sharing involves breaking down any other person it's not sharing it's gossip and judgment to understand the harm we cause and the fact that it is the easiest thing for any one of us to be guilty of or sucked into by just being part of a group where the conversation suddenly turns into gossip we have to understand this it is vital to draw our attention to what harm that conversation is causing and secondly what is it doing to us what harm are we placing ourselves under by being part of those discussions friends the word gossip is the word nigan which is a greek word and it means to murmur to whisper to backbite 
to slander or to tailbear. So it means to always be talking in hushed silences. I remember uh, there was an old lady that I knew extremely well. She was a member of the family. And every single time that you walked into the room and she'd been gossiping, she would go, <coughs> she would clear her voice. And that was just this massive telltale to say, I've just been gossiping about you and you've just walked in. And so friends, we've got to know, sharing is not caring when sharing means breaking another person down. So it means slandering, tail-bearing, backbiting. The Oxford Dictionary says, gossip, casual or unconstrained conversation or reports about other people, typically involving details that are not confirmed as being true. Proverbs 16 verse 27 says, an ungodly person plots evil on their own lips is a scorching fire. A perverse person stirs up conflict and gossips against others, separating friends. Friends, gossip is going to cause division. If you are part of gossip, you are splitting the body of Christ, which he calls holy and he is jealous of. And he says, it's mine. If you touch the body of Christ, you will bear the consequences of what you've touched. Now, Proverbs 26, verse 20 and 22 says, Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. Their malice may be concealed by deception, but their wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. Your mouth, friends, reveals the wickedness of your own heart. I want you to think about this for one second. Your mouth reveals the wickedness of your own heart. You're exposing yourself when you open your mouth. Proverbs 18 verse 8 says, The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down into the innermost mists. Whose innermost midst do they go down into or innermost parts? They go right down into yours. They rot you inside. But they also bring judgment against the people you are talking about, friends. And they are so deliciously infectious. And you always know when you're in a circle of gossip because every story's got to be worse than the one before. You never get people that are gossiping that tell you nicer stories. They're always worse. Well, I want to tell you about this one. But did you know and have you heard? And it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Because it's rot going right down into your innermost midst. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, the tongue, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Friends, when we speak love, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life when we speak life we speak jesus when you speak life into somebody you are speaking jesus because he is the very source of life and when we speak life friends then god releases angels to fulfill the words psalm 103 verse 20 bless the lord you angels who belong to him who carry his commands, who are obedient to the sound of his words. Anything that represents the word of God. 
angels are immediately released to go and establish it. That's why sometimes you don't even have to pray. You just have to say something. And angels are released to go and establish it. But when the angels are released, friends, demons are arrested. They can't function. But when you speak death, you release demons and angels are rendered useless. And what do the demons do? They go to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I want to say this to you, friends. So many people are sick and weak and battling with their health today because of the, the, the result of their own lips. You've spoken death over yourself. When you speak death over another, that death comes back to you. You've murdered your brothers and sisters with your tongue. As you sow, you will reap. And then we wonder why they aren't healed in a prayer line. You can't heal something that's been prophesied out of the mouth of the one that you're trying to pray for. It takes repentance to break the power of that which has been established, friends. Now, those who guard their mouths, Proverbs 21, 23, and their tongues keep their soul from trouble. That word trouble means distress, affliction, adversary, anguish, tribulation, and from the oppressor. Just guard your mouth. And you won't be under three quarters of the attack that you think the devil's doing to you. Now, what is the result of gossip, friends? It causes secondhand offenses. Now, the most difficult offense to ever work through is a secondhand offense. You see, if Joe so hurt me and I'm offended and I'm hurt, I'm able to pray it through, to hear God, and to go back to Joseph, to talk it through, and to forgive Joseph, and to set my heart free. But if I'm offended by Joseph, and I tell Susie about it, she's not offended by Joseph. But because she has sided with me and come into agreement where two or more agree it is established, we've come into agreement. She can't make right with Joseph, because she's not offended. But she's in a soul tie of offense with me because I'm offended. So she can't actually deal with the offense and make it right. So she sits harbored with an offense that is killing her, rotting her and causing trouble in her life. It's not her offense. She's no way of making it right. And secondhand offenses cause people to shut down to the spirit of God, to move into the flesh and to completely become flesh-led. And the enemy loves the flesh because where the flesh is, the enemy's got power. Do we see how evil it is, friends? So if you've got a second-hand offense with somebody because you've heard something, you need to go to that person and say to them, I have a second-hand offense against you. I've come into agreement with judges, judgment, ju judging you. <coughs> I've come into agreement with judging you when I have no first-hand information. I am so sorry. The second result, friends, it separates friends. One minute you're friends, somebody gossips, somebody pulls one in, excuse me. <coughs> I take authority in Jesus' name. Suddenly that friendship is broken. <coughs> friends not only friendships families are broken up because of gossip 
The third thing is it causes division in the church. The fourth thing is it releases the spirit of judgment to come in and it starts placing people, yourself and others, under the demon powers, which are demonic magistrates and judges. And the demons start judging you. The fifth thing is it releases witchcraft into the body because it's rebellion to the word of God. The next thing is it can be compared with verbal abuse. It breaks the person down emotionally. It breaks their character and their reputation down. And the people concerned end up being under attack and destroyed because of your mouth. Usually people who are destroying them have heard rumors and do not know the true facts. You know, friends, the very word judgment or to judge means, here we go. It means to get information and information and then weigh to see what the truth is. What happens when you get one-sided information and you make a decision on that? That's not even judging. That is just listening, coming into agreement with one opinion and you making an opinion about that. The very word judgment means hearing both sides of the story and then weighing to see what the truth is. And nobody who's judging ever goes and says, I've heard this. Could you tell me what happened? If we truly wanted to be, do what God's called us to do, we are called to weigh, not judge. And friends, unfortunately, we have failed terribly in doing this in the body of Christ. Now, what does it mean to gossip? Number one, I've told you, it's exposing your own heart. People who gossip are not full of love. They're full of hatred. They're full of prejudice. They're full of bitterness. They're full of rejection. That is why they have a need to break down somebody else because they are so broken within them. It makes your thoughts public due to the shame that you are forever trying to keep quiet in your own heart. It tells others according to your opinion what other people are doing that you do not find acceptable. Friends, James 3 verse 6 to 8. Sorry, my nose is so itchy suddenly. <clears throat> James 3 verse 6 and 8 says, The tongue is a fire, a world of evil, placed among the parts of the body. It contaminates the whole body and sets on fire the course of life and of itself is a, is a fire set by course in hell. Unfortunate, um, un, uh, sorry, uncon uncontrollable evil has filled it and it is a deadly poison. What does it mean to judge? It means that you've only heard one side of a story and you have formed your opinion on that side of the story and you are judging them according to your standard. By doing so, you're placing yourself under law and you are losing the freedom that you've had under the, the, the love and the grace that God has given you. And you are now being judged by that same law yourself. Judgment means krino. To be of opinion, to separate, to subject to censor, but it's your censor. To pronounce an option, 
to go to law, to decide mentally or uh, to judge publicly, to condemn, to punish, to call in question. Every judgment wants punishment. So when you are judging somebody, you want them to be punished. Friends, God doesn't work according to your and my opinion. And he doesn't punish according to your and my opinion. <clears throat> so it means to give or to think or to speak your opinion about a situation or another person, about how they should live, what they do, and how they should do it. It means condemning and punishing the person according to your judgment. You place yourself as the judge and you place them under the punishment of the law that you feel that they deserve. Now, Matthew 7 verse 1 and 2 is very clear about this. It says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For by the same judgment that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure that you use, it will be measured unto you. What does judgment mean, friends? It means a penal judgment. It means a sentence. It means a punishment. It means condemnation. It means damnation. It means measuring according to law. Now, 1 Corinthians 11 verse 28 says, Everybody ought to examine himself before they eat and they drink of the cup. Friends, how often should we be breaking bread? Well, honestly, every day, <clears throat> as often as you can. It's not something that has to happen in some building. It's something that is a personal gift from God for us to use as often as we want to, to remember him, to seal covenant with him, and to establish holiness in our own souls and in our own life. But before you do that, friends, judge yourself. Now, if we do this regularly, number one, we're receiving healing. Number two, we're receiving the power and the life and the blood. And I spoke about that last couple of weeks. But number three, you're giving yourself opportunity to examine yourself. Have you in any way judged somebody else, even in thought? Have you given an opinion of what you think they should or would do, even in thought? Have you in any way allowed a force of darkness to be within you, even in thought, towards somebody else? Judge yourself. You ought to examine yourself before you eat the bread and drink the cup. For those who eat or drink, not discerning the body of Christ. And that means the whole body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We need to look at the body of Christ, judge our heart and say, is there any area that I have got a shadow in my heart towards another part of the body? If you do not do that, you will eat and drink judgment on yourself. That is why many of you are weak, sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep, which means died. Friends, you cannot pray for healing for somebody that's under judgment because they have put themselves under judgment. You can only lead them into repentance. And then you can ask God for his grace and his mercy to heal them. But if you've put yourself under judgment and you do not repent, you will bear the consequences. You will get weak, which means physically and emotionally weak. You will get sick and you will die prematurely. Now, this judgment is not the judgment of God. God is not judging anybody. 
I, I want to say to every single person that mentions that, that, that anybody is under the judgment of God, any person is under the judgment, any country is under the judgment of God, you do not know the word of God. You are going according to what you want for them. And you're going according to what happened in the Old Testament before the power of the cross. You're placing people back under law and not under the power, the authority, the grace, the glory, and the love of the cross. Now, Jesus speaking, Matthew 6, and this is the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, from the evil one. For if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father cannot forgive you. Friends, I've touched on this before. But honestly, my heart was really grieved a couple of weeks ago when I went to visit a church for its handover. And I saw the evidence of gossip, of slander, and of devices spirits that had been operating to destroy that church. And it's all under the name of justification and self-righteousness. Friends, it's evil because people do not know how to discern what is God and what is not God. And they will fall into the trap of feeling sorry for the victim. But the victim is somebody that's never wanted to deal with their own heart and has convinced everybody else and manipulated everyone else to believe, shame, I am the victim. Do not be deceived. Grow in your discernment. Do not ever listen to one side of any story. Rather, don't listen to stories at all. But if you dare to listen, go and find out the truth. Two sides so that you can hear God for yourself. Now listen to John 5, 22, friends. Listen very carefully. John 5, verse 22, Jesus speaking. The Father judges no man. But he has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Friends, when is Jesus judging the world? When he comes back. Has he come back? No. There's no godly judgment happening on earth. But people are definitely reaping what they have sown for themselves. The Father is not judging anyone. He's entrusted all judgment to Jesus and Jesus will only judge on his return. Now, the only judging forces on earth today, friends, are Satan, his powers, which are demon magistrates, judges, and those who come into agreement with him. It's, he is described in Revelations 12 verse 10b as the accuser of the brethren, accusing them before the Father day and not. Are you an accuser of the brethren? Now, I want to talk about the, the grace of love. Proverbs 10 verse 12 says, Hatred stirs up conflict and contention, but love covers all transgressions and sins. 1 Peter 4 verse 8 says, Above all, continue to love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Now, why we may not make judgment against other people? Number one, you do not know their journey. 
Number two, you do not understand what the Holy Spirit is doing within them. Number three, you do not know how desperate they are. Number four, you do not know the relationship they have with God and you do not know their level of maturity. You know, friends, God deals with all of us differently and he's not going to highlight a blanket conviction. He shows us little bit by little bit, step by step. He can't show it all at once. We would be overwhelmed. Now, if he's showing somebody their heart, but they're still parting and they're still drinking, you can't judge them. They're immature and God's dealing with their heart. Sort the heart out and all that will fall away. What does religious spirits do in judgment? They look at that. What does God do? He looks at the heart. Friends, when we are walking according to the level of our maturity, we are in a progress in God. It's very different when you are affecting other people's lives because you have positioned yourself in the place of authority. That's a different story. Now, if they are unsaved, they're living under judgment. They're already under the judgment of the enemy. And they are under law because they're under the, the law of death and destruction. You have to show them the way, the truth, and the life. We don't condemn those that are in the world, friends. We are so overwhelmed by the desperateness to get them into kingdom that no matter where they are at, they can be drug addicts, they can be prostitutes, they can be murderers. It doesn't matter what they are. Love them. Show them another way because they're going straight to hell. It says in Deuteronomy 15 verse 30, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. Now, if you've chosen life and prosperity, you make sure you keep walking in life and prosperity and you don't put yourself back under death and destruction. But if you've chosen death and destruction, you haven't got a clue what life's all about. We can't judge them, friends. We've got to get them out of darkness into his marvelous light. We've got to choose. Every one of us have to choose. If the, if the person chooses death, pray that their eyes are opened. Pray that they will not continue living in that place. Pray that they are able to get a hunger and thirst after righteousness, that they may be saved. Pray the prayer of Matthew 18, 18, 16, 19. Bind them to Jesus. Loose them from the darkness controlling them. And pray that their eyes will be opened. Now Romans 14 verse 10 and 12 says, Then uh, why then do you criticize your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For all of us will stand before the judgment seat of God. Consequently, each of us will give an account of himself to God. You know, friends, it's always so interesting for me that when people come, when you want to sit down and talk to a couple and you want to talk about what the problems are in their marriage, they will always say the problem with him is or the problem with her is and they will judge each other. And I say, no, I don't want that. I don't want you to tell me what his problems are. I want you to tell me what your problems are. You know, what do you mean? He makes me do it. She makes me do it. Friends, no one can make you do anything. You choose the way you live. You choose to lose your temper. You choose to gossip. You choose to get angry. You choose to be bitter. You choose to sin. You choose to swear. You choose to binge. You choose. You're only just looking for an excuse to do what you really want to do. So don't sit there blame shifting 
Because I want to tell you, one day when we stand before God and he says to you, why didn't you do what I called you to do? You can't say, but he was, he did this and he did that and he did that and he did that. And God's going to look at you and he's going to say, what did you do? So friends, we've got to stop blame shifting. And we've got to start taking ownership of our own hearts. Judge yourself. We have to judge and weigh every situation. We do not judge. We do not take part information. We do not condemn people by our standard and our opinion. We do not put them under our censorship. We do not decide mentally or, 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 or publicly what should happen to them. We do, not, we do not do that. But we are called to weigh, friends. Now, I want you to see the difference here. Judging means crino. Weighing means diacrino. What does it mean to weigh? Now, often in the Bible, it says the same word, judge, judge, but it's not the same word. What does it mean to weigh? It means to be able to differentiate between the two. It means to be able to put things on a scale. It means to separate. It means to withdraw from that which is evil, to oppose that which is wrong. It means to separate oneself from a hostile spirit, and it means to discern. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about what we are meant to be doing in the body of Christ. Now, we've got to say, God, does this action measure up? In other words, when you listen to people speaking, are they saying who they really are? You don't know them by their words. You know them by their fruit. When somebody is preaching a word, is what's coming out of their mouth the same as the lifestyle they're living? Weigh it. See what's going on here. Are they calling themselves a Christian but dabbling in the occult? Are they calling themselves a Christian but living a complete licentious worldly lifestyle? Weigh it. What are the Christian fruits? What are the worldly fruits? Weigh it. Not you and 20 other people. You and God. Weigh it. We are called to weigh. As a leader, are they drawing people closer to God? Are they drawing people closer to themselves? Have they put themselves on a pedestal? Are they drawing people away from God? Are they operating in the Holy Spirit? Or are they operating in the demonic spirit? Weigh it. Discern it. Pick up what God is showing you. As a prophet, every single word of a prophet needs to be weighed by two or more other prophets. And it is the responsibility of those that are fivefold prophets... To not only bring the word and have it weighed, but to weigh the word that others bring. Now friends, this is not judging. This is saying, what is the context of God here and what is not? You are weighing the word, not the person. In every situation, you're weighing the situation, not the person. You're not criticizing the person. You're not judging the person. You're weighing the fruit. When you see an apple tree... And you see rotten fruit on there. You know you've got to do something to feed that apple tree so that the fruit will change. You don't chop the tree down because you don't like the, the fruit. You bring transformation into that tree. Weigh the fruit. Now, in the, uh, the kingdom of heaven is all about redemption, hope and grace. The kingdom of darkness is all about destruction, judgment and hatred. Weigh the fruit. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 5 says... I say this to shame you. It is possible 
that there is no one among you who is wise enough to weigh a dispute between brothers. But instead, one brother takes another brother to court, and this in front of the unbelievers. Weigh the fruit, friends. Never, ever, ever listen to one side of anybody's story. Weigh the fruit. We have to know when we are to address a situation biblically, when we are to warn people about the fruit that's operating in another person, and when we are to flee from the situation. You will know them by the fruit. Matthew 7, 16 says you will know them by their fruit. In fact, that whole passage of scripture, Matthew 7, 15 to 20. Can a good tree bear forth good fruit? Can a bad tree bear forth a bad fruit? Vice versa. Galatians 5, verse 18 to 21 clearly tells us what the fruit of the flesh is and what the fruit of the spirit is. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. You see, friends, we're either walking in flesh or we're walking in spirit. This one is operating under demonic forces and this one is operating under the Holy Spirit. Every bit of flesh is led by spirit. Which spirit? For this flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. Now I want to explain something to you. If you get irritated because you're in the presence of deep worship and people are worshipping, your flesh is screaming. If you get irritated because you are upset or you're mad and somebody brings the truth of the word to bring correction or to guide you or to show you and you say, I don't want to hear that because I feel your flesh is screaming. You are being driven by flesh and your spirit voice is tiny. In fact, are you spirit-filled? And if you are spirit-filled, have you spent time in the spirit to allow the spirit of God to speak to you? Now, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality. Friends, if you're justifying any form of living together, sexual immorality, pornography, masturbation, and finding good reasons why it's okay, you're living by the flesh. Friends, you could call it anything you like. We're married in the eyes of God. If you are not legally married to the man you're living with or to the woman you're living with, and you have not legally come into a covenant on earth, and a covenant in heaven, you are not married, you're living together. Don't lie, don't deceive, and don't get others to come into agreement with your sin. Impurity, impure thoughts, impure ways of thinking, debauchery, such an awful word. Idolatry, worshipping false gods, which is the God of money, which could be the God of your husband, which could be the God of your children, which could be the God of you, your flesh. And it can also be idols. And it can be a whole lot of other things. What is the thing that you love more than God? Because that's your idol. Witchcraft. And I've discovered, I've discussed that so much. Drugs. Medication. Depending on the, 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 the medicine of this world and worldly, worldly wisdom more than the truth of the word of God. Deception. Sorcery. Seduction of idolatry. Hatred. Discord. Friends, if you are gossiping, you're sowing discord. If you're judging, you're sowing discord. Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, murders. Jesus said if you only think it, you're already doing it. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God.
It's serious. We're talking about eternity, friends. We're talking about eternity. The fruit of the Spirit reflects the heart and the ways of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's gentle, it's goodness, it's faith, it's humility, it's temperance, which is self-control. And against these, there's no law. Friends, this is such a serious issue. And maybe you're thinking, oh, Kathy, why are you going there again? I'll tell you why I'm going there again. Because the body of Christ is weeping. Because there are more people wandering around in the wilderness because they've been hurt by the church. They've been slandered. They've been gossiped about. They've been judged. Many people say, I can't go to church. I feel judged. Because the church is judgmental. And friends, we are not God. We cannot place ourselves on a judgment seat. Repentance. Repentance is what we've all been called into. Repentance is the key to arrest all evil works. But Kathy, I only have to repent once to get saved. That's for your salvation. That is not to live with clean hands and a pure heart. That is not so that your heart can be com continuously cleansed by the blood of the Lamb because your unrepentance puts a block between you and God. God's not blocking you. You are blocking God. Matthew 3 verse 8 says, Produce fruit that is constant with repentance. Constant with repentance. Our fruit needs to continuously reflect the power of a repentant heart, led by the Spirit and not by flesh. And that word is metanoia. It means to abhor the sins of your past. It means to think completely differently. Friends, we've got to start thinking like God thinks and not like this world thinks. It means to perceive with your mind and with your understanding. Now 1 John 3 verse 10 says, This is how the children of God and the children of the devil are distinguished. Oops. A person who fails to practice righteousness or to love his brother is, is from God. Sorry, a person who fails to practice righteousness or to love his brother is not from God. I'm so sad to say this. But the church is full of both children of God and children of the devil. I'm so sad to say this. But the fact that we cannot link arms and be unified across denominations and across cultures and across color and across everything as one body, body with one heart, one mind, one Lord, one King, one Spirit, one power of the blood, one word and one salvation is because too many of our hearts are still submitted to being children of the devil. The, the fruit of repentance will never judge. We have to start by regularly judging our own hearts and have clean hands and a pure heart. We've got to judge our own motives. We've got to be quick to repent. We've got to make sure we've got no other ulterior motive. Are we feeling like this because we're jealous? Are we feeling like this because it's touching our own insecurities? Are we feeling like this because there's something in that person 
that is rubbing us smooth and we don't like it. <coughs> Do we have ought against that person because of our own wounds? We're checking our behavior because are we responding to empower or reacting to criticize? We need to make right with God in our own heart, wherever we possibly can. Repentance, recognition, confessing, asking God to wash us clean. Psalm 24 verse 3 to 4 says, he who, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol, which means falsehood, worthlessness, destruction, evil, idolatry, vanity, who does not swear by what is false, which is deceitful, treachery, guile. Friends, if you come into agreement with gossip or judgment, you are swearing by what is false. Matthew 7 verse 1 to 5 says, take the log out of your own eyes. Friends, it's vital that we cleanse our own hearts first. And we can't do it, only the Spirit can do it, but we can ask Him. To reveal every corner of our heart to us. 1 Corinthians 11.29 says. We eat judgment on ourselves. For not weighing. Because we're not weighing the body of Christ. We bring judgment on ourselves. Because we are judging them. And not looking at our own hearts. Friends. We have to weigh the fruit in people's lives. And this is habitually looking at it. When you hear gossip or a story. Look at the fruit in the life of that person. Look at the fruit. We prophets have to weigh the prophetic. It is vital that any prophet that's operating on their own and it doesn't line up with other prophets is a lone ranger. And I'm telling you now they're doing more harm than good. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4, 14 verse 29, two or three prophets should speak and the others should judge, weigh, carefully what is being said. Why? We are responsible before God as a team. I might not even know you, but you and I are responsible before God as a team. We've got to weigh everything, friends. And don't get offended if a prophet weighs your word and says, I don't think this is perfectly accurate. Be absolutely delighted so that you can start operating at a much deeper, greater authority and not just bring forth whatever you feel like because you want an expression. Prophecy is not an expression of your own opinion. It is hearing the divine voice of God and speaking it uncontaminatedly. How do we deal with grievances? Now, this is something that so many people say, well, what do I do? What do I do if I do pick something up? What do I do? Do I just keep quiet? What do I do? Now, the first thing you've got to look at, is it personal? Is it a grievance between you and that person? The second thing is, is it affecting the lives of others? The third thing is, is it a sin that leads to death? And the fourth thing is, is that person dangerous? Now, is it personal? Is it just a difference of opinion or difference in the way you interpret scripture? For example, some people say that you've got to be baptized three times in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And others say, no, you can be baptized once in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, honestly, friends... That is so insignificant because it's not about how many times you go under the water. It's about are you baptized? Sprinkling is not baptism. 
That is the fruit of the flesh. That is the fruit of religion. Baptism is going, being submerged and rising up. So you got to weigh it. Is this just a difference of opinion or difference in the way we read scripture, but it has no eternal value? It's not worth making an issue about. Link arms. Go together. Embrace them if they do it three times. Embrace them if they do it once. Cool. All of us believe in baptism. Now, is it affecting others? Is it a leader of the church who's bearing bad fruit? And by doing so, friends, they are living two different lives. They present this crystal clean, squeaky clean face to the world. And they bring this word of power and authority. And they love to be put on a pedestal. But they're living a completely different life outside of that. You've got to weigh that. Measure the fruit. The, the next one is, is this a sin that leads to death? There are some sins, some, there are some sins that just need correction because there's areas that have not been brought into the light of righteousness. But there are sins that lead to death, and I've just read them to you. The sins that lead to death are the ones that will stop us inheriting the kingdom of God, friends. That's, once you recognize that, then you need to know what to do about that. The next thing is, is this person a danger to other people? Is this person a pedophile? Is this person a habitual liar? Is this person, because remember Satan's the father of all lies, is this person a thief? The enemy comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. Are they a danger to others? Then there's something else that we need to do about it. So now what do we do if it's personal? Matthew 18 tells us exactly what to do. Verse 15 to 18. I'm so sorry. Yeah, verse 15 to 17, 18. It says, the first thing you do in every situation, friends, in absolutely every situation, spend time with the Father before you do anything. Jesus plaited a whip so that he could hear the Father's heart. Jesus separated himself before he did the very next thing. He spent time out in the mountain. He spent time in prayer. Go and spend time with God. <clears throat> Bring this confusion and this concern to him. Spend time with him. Worship him. And let him give you clarity out of the word. Everything comes from the word, friends. Then, Matthew 18 says this. You go speak to the person first, face to face. Because something has happened that is a personal thing between the two of you. Nobody else. If they do not listen, you then are somebody else to come with you. Now friends, many times you don't have to give the other person much information. Let them discover the information when the two of you talk together. Let them hear what you're saying. Let them hear what the other person is saying. Let them be a witness in the situation. If they still will not listen, it says then take it to the church. Then you need to go to the leadership and you need to say, according to Matthew 18, I went to talk to them. I tried to bring peace back because blessed are the peacemakers, those who come in and change atmospheres. They rejected me. They would not do anything about it. I've taken a witness. This is what we did. This is my witness. Here she is. Or here he is. And now we bring it to you because this is destructive. Then, friends, your hands are clean. The blood's not on your hands anymore. It's not your problem anymore. Then let them do what they need to do. It even goes on to say then, if they're still not repentant and they won't change, 
then they will be dealt with and some of them will even be asked to leave the church. Now, if it is affecting other people, if it is a leader that's having an affair, or if it is leaders in the church that have, that, that have got evidence against another person that is influencing other people, it's really important that we do not try and handle that, we do not try and cover it, we do not in any way enable it, but we go back to the leaders of the church. 1 Timothy 5 verse 19 says, there needs to be at least two or more accusations done against an elder, which is a leader of the church, and then it needs to be investigated. Now, if it is a public figure, friends, any person that has a public position of imparting into the body of Christ that affects many other people, for example, an elder, a deacon, a worship ministry, a Sunday school leader, anybody that is in a position of affecting other people, and they've been involved in sin, friends, it is vital that they are asked to step down out of that public position. While the investigation is going on, while they, because if there's been two or more accusations, there's some element of truth there. They need to step out of that situation. Now, this is where the danger comes in. Because the moment you try and apply biblical discipline in a situation to protect the body of Christ, then you get those strokers who don't deal with their own hearts, that feel pity for this person, then they gang up with this person who's saying, oh me, oh my, this is so hardly done by. You know, it wasn't so bad. We just used to see each other after work every day. We never had sex. But, friends, that is an emotional soul tie. Or it can even be a sexual soul tie that stopped just short of sex. It has to be dealt with to save the body, friends. And if you come into agreement with the one that's being disciplined, you are living under the flesh. You are living as a son of Satan in the situation. But if you truly love the body and you truly care for what God is doing, you will start praying earnestly in tongues for that person to come to redemption and to come to repentance. Remember, you do not catch what people are saying. You catch what they are carrying I can say as much as I want to, look at the pears on my, pear, on my beautiful tree. You take one bite and you say, this is an apple. In the same way, they can present themselves so wonderfully like, I'm just so beautiful and pure and wonderful and anointed. But you're going to get what's actually in their hearts. They have to be removed. Too many worship leaders have destroyed the whole body because they haven't led people into worship to our glorious king. They've led people into lust. And you can feel it being released. You can feel it being released in the body of Christ. Anyone who repents and is prepared to be held accountable and to go through a season of healing and, and, and discipling can be restored. But they've got to be taken out of the front line. They've got to be repented. They've got to walk a journey with those that are counseling them, holding them accountable. There's a season of accountability can be six months, can be a year, can be a couple of years of being accountable to somebody. They've got to allow people to look at every situation, to look with a, with a light of God into every corner of their heart, to be able to deal with the thing that led them into the sin. And they've got to be able to come into that place of total repentance, saturated by the word of God. Friends, this is not a religious act. 
This is a Holy Spirit cleansing, washing, cleaning, liberating, setting free act that God has given us to help each other come into fullness. Now, friends, once they've done that, I want you to know that Jesus worked with a redeemed prostitute. The woman at the well had been married five times and the man that she was now living with was not her husband. And yet she was the most anointed evangelist into Samaria. Your past sins and your times of falling do not define your future. Your repentant heart defines your future. Mary Magdalene was, was, was um, delivered of seven demons. Jesus used Mary Magdalene. Paul was a murderer. Jesus used Paul. Friends, it doesn't matter where people have been. It doesn't even matter if they were the leader of a church and they fell. If their hearts are pure and they go through a time of healing and transforming and, and taking ownership and, and, and repentance and being cleansed, friends, God will restore them as if it never, ever happened. We may not keep digging up the corpse of the past and holding it against the new life that they are living in now. We may not do that. It is judgment and it destroys the body of Christ. And friends, take the, the splinter out of your own Take the log out of your eye before you start taking the splinter out of somebody else's eye. We do not judge or condemn, but we pray for them. Pray for them, pray for them. Whatever they've done, don't side with them. Don't feel sorry for them. Don't get into agreement with their sin. Don't try and justify, but what an incredible person they are. Get out of the way and let God be God. Let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit and you pray for them. According to Matthew 16, 18, 19, Matthew 18, 18, bind them to Jesus. Pray that they will come into full restoration. And then pray for God to reinstate them because that's who God is, friends. If they refuse to repent, now this is a very, very important thing. It needs to be publicly revealed. The first needs to be publicly addressed. This man has come into, it's come into light that there's been sin in the camp in whatever situation. And you then say, so we are going to ask them to step down because they need to go through a season of transformation and healing. Pray for the people involved. That is if it's a public figure. Friends, if it's not a public figure in the church, it doesn't have to be presented publicly. But it does need to be presented before the leaders of the church so that together they can work with the situation. Now, if they refuse to repent, friends, we've got to understand that they are rebelling against the word of God and against God himself. This needs to be publicly revealed and addressed to protect the rest of the body. Now, that is any person in the body that refuses to be repentant, that's having an affair and is not prepared to deal with it, that is violating the body of Christ, they're into drugs, they're into something that is destroying the body of Christ. Remember, we're all one body, we all belong to each other. It needs to be publicly brought into the light, friends. And then they have to be asked to leave the body. They've got to be cut off from the body. But that's terrible. It is terrible. Nobody wants that to ever happen. Do not go and feel sorry for them. Do not leave because they have to leave. Do not come into agreement with that, friends. Do not. 
They are under the, they are in the hand of the Almighty God under the, the authority of the Holy Spirit. And God is dealing with them. But their rebellion has caused that they be put out of the camp. Do not in any way come into agreement with their sin. And nobody takes that lightly. Nobody wants to do it. And nobody should ever do it unless there's been a real season of trying to do redemption first, friends. Now, 1 Corinthians 5 verse 1 says, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you that you are proud of. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out, been, and put out of fellowship the man who is doing this? Friends, our response to any part of the body that is rotten is to weep and to petition heaven for it. You know, if your hand suddenly got cut and hurt, you wouldn't say to the other hand, what an idiot that hand was. Did you see what they did? How stupid were they? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm giving you my opinion of what I think of that hand. And if the doctor says that hand's going to be cut off, you don't say to the other hand, well, I'm sorry, but I'm leaving you. I can't have anything more to do with you because I've got to go and sit with the dead hand. You can't do that, friends. We've got to understand the things of God. They need to put outside the camp. Why do they need to be put outside the camp? Hand this man over to Satan so that his soul may be saved on the day of the Lord. He's refused to sit under the anointed re redemption of Jesus. Put him under his own judgment. And in that place where he's put himself under the judgment of the devil, hand him over to the judgment of the devil. Let him then come to a place like the prodigal son, where he says, oh God, I can't do this anymore. Please forgive me. And friends, the moment that that happens, the moment that that happens, you embrace them right back. You draw them right back in. They become part of that family again. They've got life pumping in their veins again. You do not keep going back to where they were. Friends, it's a body. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an anointing of redemption, grace, love, and moving into the fullness of holiness, friends. We have to understand that. Remember, rebellion is as witchcraft. Do not criticize the leaders for their decision. They give an account of their leadership to God. It says that in Hebrews. They are given account of every single person that they've been put in authority over. Do not have pity on the person who's been disciplined. Pity lands people in a pit, you included. They are in the hand of the Almighty God. Do not allow your lack of maturity and understanding to get in the way of the Holy Spirit. Do not side with a person that's caused division. Know this may be the very last opportunity for that person's soul to be saved. Pray that they will come to a place of repentance. Should they truly repent, love them, love them, love them. Do you remember the, son, the story of the prodigal son? He went off and he lived a debauched life. He was doing everything that violates the kingdom of God. He was completely flesh-driven and demon-controlled. The father never stopped waiting for him to come back. And when he did come back, the father ran to meet him. That's our response, friends. Get out of the way. Hand them over to the judgment they've placed themselves under so that their soul can be saved. I know this is quite a, a strong word, but I seem to teach strong words. But I'm really trusting that I can help you to be able to come into maturity and to see truth for itself. Now, how do we protect ourselves against partaking 
in the gossip of judgment. Number one, walk away from any hostile spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.22 says, abstain from all appearance of evil. If you can't change the conversation, get up and walk away. I usually try and say, guys, that person's not here. We can't talk about them. But, 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 get up, walk away. James 5, 4 verse 7, submit mit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. The more that you operate in the spirit, the more you won't be tempted to move into the flesh. Friends, that other person needs to be able to tell their situation, their side of the story, and to be able to say, wait a minute, that is not fully true. Because being able to weigh something means you can look at both. And if you can't look at both, get out. Have nothing to do with it. Abstain from gossip, slander, the lust of the flesh, division. Do not touch the body of Christ. Do not touch. Friends, people that are submitting themselves to that body have to come to the place in the Holy Spirit where they say, we can no longer submit to that body. But if you pull them out, it's like cutting off their limb and dragging them out. There is incredible blood. It is incredibly violent and everybody bleeds. And it is one awful bloody mess. And I mean that in the truth of, this, of the word. Everybody is hurt. Do not be part of that. Do not be part of that. And don't think you've done a good thing because you have caused a split in the church. Try to live by the conviction of they're not here, we can't discuss them. Come in the opposite spirit and stand for the truth. Romans 12 verse 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. When people are talking, say, guys, 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 this is not edifying, it's not building. We're not all feeling empowered by this. Let's rather talk about what Jesus has done. So what's the latest testimony? You know, friends, the word testimony means tell of the good things that God has done. The word gossip means tell of the terrible things that people have done. Come in the opposite spirit. Speak the word and not your opinion. Ephesians 6 verse 17 said, The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, Jesus answered the enemy and anything that was from him every single time by saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. And if they get offended by you speaking word, it's because their flesh screams much louder than the tiny, tiny little bit of spirit that they've allowed into their life. At times we have to intervene. We've got to arrest, we've got to warn, we've got to stop whatever is happening because it's causing harm to other people because prophets weigh the prophetic word as I said there are many times that in a meeting you've got to say wait a minute stop there it's not bringing glory to God when people start taking three quarters of an hour to tell you about all the terrible things that have happened to them stop them that is just another way of gossiping and saying feel sorry for me it does not bring glory to God we know that you're hurting. We know you've got pain. We will help you through the pain. This is how we're going to journey it, by getting God to highlight to you what's in your heart and then bringing freedom. This is not the platform to bring vomit. This is a platform to go into the fullness of getting more of his spirit so that we can cope better with what the world throws at us. So friends, it's really important. Privately, we can help them. Publicly, we don't let their vomit contaminate everybody. 
If the person is behaving badly in public, it needs to be arrested in public. If the person is a preacher and they're preaching the false word, or if the person is bringing false prophecy, or if they're operating in the false spirit, friends, we need to discuss the fruit. This is what the fruit looks like. This is the fruit of righteousness. This is the fruit that's not righteous. This is the fruit of the demonic realm. Look at the fruit. Don't get caught up under the anointing that's impressive when the fruit is rotten. It is not about the people. It's about what they are presenting. It's about the fruit. Always look at the fruit. But there are times to publicly look at the fruit. There are times to publicly arrest things. And there are times to publicly weigh the word. It's all about the fruit and not judging or criticizing the person. 1 Peter 4 verse 11 says, When you speak, let it be the very words of God. Remember, no one can be transformed without being equipped. No one can see the light until they've been taught the truth and shown the light. Therefore, no one can be held accountable for truth that has never received it. Teach, show, guide, let them see truth. Let them discern that which is falsehood. We have to recognize and weigh what pigs and dogs are. Matthew 7 verse 6 says, Do not give what's sacred to the dogs and do not throw your pills before the swine. What are they, friends? They are people who habitually continue operating in the flesh. Pigs are those that keep wallowing in self-pity. They keep going back to their, to their mud. They're always wanting people to feel sorry for them. It's always stroke me. I'm continuously the victim. Oh, woe is me. Look how miserable I am. And if they refuse to get out of their mud, friends, leave them there. But don't use, throw your pearls, your testimony, your thing that you've had to pay such a big price for because it costs you everything to follow Jesus before them. What are dogs? Those who are driven with animalistic instincts. They run after every dog on eat. They're forever sexually involved. They get involved with all kinds of perversion and they have a massive rage problem. They get furious, angry and attack everybody. Should anybody come anywhere near them with any truth, do not give them what is sacred, friends. Leave them. Why? It's the same principle. Let them stay under the judgment of their own behavior which comes from the enemy until they truly can be repentant. And then... You do everything you can to help them. Now, talking something over with another, and this is the thing that we always wonder about. Now, if I've got this thing that I really have seen and I'm not sure of, what do I do? Friends, choose very carefully who you're going to talk to. And if you do talk to them, it is number one to judge your motives. Have I missed something here? Am I seeing something wrong here? Number two, to pray into the situation for empowering and redemption and to hear the voice of God together. Number three, it is sharing so you can expose something that needs to be arrested. It is sharing, what have you picked up? This is what I've picked up. Am I wrong? Please just look at this. You see, you give me your perspective. Let's pray into this. Let's hear the voice of God together. It's judging the fruit together. Two or more witnesses, friends, two or more witnesses. It's not saying, do you know what they've done? And then telling you something worse. That is sharing for gossip's sake. And then what do we do from here? Where do we go from here? What do we do? Praying together, 
hearing God together. It's for empowerment and for building. Now, who usually needs to talk to somebody? Well, two counselors need to talk to each other if they're counseling the same person. It's vital that you come from the same place, that you know that you've heard the same thing, you've prayed into it, and you've handed this over to God so that you can counsel with the seven spirits before the throne and not with some worldly counsel. Then, husbands and wives often have to share with each other. And it's very important that a husband and wife share with each other that are both born-again, spirit-filled Christians that can weigh according to the Word of God. Not a saved partner and an unsaved partner. That you cannot measure with them. Then the third thing is leaders, elders, people that are, that are in charge, co-laboring for the same group of people. They need to be able to talk about it. But friends, they've got to talk about it in a way that is empowering, in a way that is seeking heaven, in a way that's hearing God, and in a way that they are seriously petitioning heaven for the redemption of all the parties involved. Does this make sense? Not your best friend. Not the person that you happen to just be in the next conversation with. If it's not empowering building and you can pray about it, don't do it. Everything the Lord does and those who are led by the Spirit of God is for redemption, restoration, growth and empowerment. God will never break down, destroy or in any way bring harm to another person. But he will take them into discipling and he will take them into disciplining for the sake of his kingdom. Because, friends, we cannot think like this world does. We have to think according to eternity. Now, I would love to end with this passage of Scripture. And it is from Colossians 3. And it's a little bit chunky, but please listen to it. And it's verse 2. Set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lusts, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry, because of these the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourself of all such things as as sorry, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these rage, anger, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge. In the image of your creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, um, barbarian or this fancy word, slave or free, but Christ in all, and all is in Christ. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against somebody, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put love, which binds them all together in perfect unity.
Let the peace of God rule over your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to Christ with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or do it, the deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father through him. God bless you, friends. Please stop the cycle of judgment and government. Please understand God is preparing his bride without spot or wrinkle. And the enemy is looking for ways to destroy it. Don't be the one that he uses to destroy what God is busy doing. I love you. I care deeply about you. Father, I pray that these words will take deep root. That Holy Spirit, you will work deeply in our heart. Holy Spirit, all of us need to be led by your Spirit at a far greater measure. All of us find it easy to slip into the flesh. Please forgive us. Please forgive us. Help us to help each other that truly we can be a holy nation, a peculiar people, those called forth by him, a priesthood of all believers, royalty, waiting for the coming of the king and getting as many people into his glorious light as we possibly can. Let the body of Christ be a safe haven and not a judgment court. I ask this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Bless you, friends. Goodbye.